lambs have passed through the gate. They are come to the killing floor. Hello and welcome to Scream 101. I'm Brennan Klein. And I'm Shannon Chalakian. And today we'll be discussing the sort of classic The Cabin in the Woods from 2012. So long ago now. Oh yeah. Oh man, it's 2015. It's almost over. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Anyway. This is part of our Halloween Horror Classics Marathon. And we're rounding up till next week is Halloween. So we're almost over. Isn't that sad? But we'll be back every week with semi-less important classics for your entertainment. Which is still great. <laughs> yes. A- and as usual, we start with our 10-word reviews, which I will start with because we all know that Brennan has far more than myself. Although, if you add up ours, I think yours encapsulates all of mine and more. Yeah, for this week, definitely. <laughs> um, so this week, I didn't watch any movies, but I did watch the entire first season of Jane the Virgin, now streaming on Netflix. Uh, and my general review is, I watched the entire season in two days. Enough said. <laughs> that's, a, it's, that's accurate. I just, I, it was I, so redundant. I watched you watch it. I know, it was so redundant. I just said that twice. <laughs> nah, it's fine. And my ten-word reviews are, and it was hard to narrow it down because I actually have been watching a lot because it's the October season. But here we go. The Giant Claw. There's actually two claws. They're both stupid. Great dialogue, though. Uh, Crimson Peak. Guillermo brings his Spanish aesthetic to Hollywood. Finally. The Sand. Not the best Jamie Kennedy sand monster movie this week. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, on I, to was, I, was, I was waiting for you to feed me the question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so what is the other Jamie Sand movie this week? Well, he was in Tremors 5, which was released a week before The Sand. Oh, lovely. Everybody watch Tremors 5 instead of The Sand. You're welcome. Okay, so now that I've fed you that question, we'll move on to our discussion, and as always, there are spoilers. That is true. And here was the plot for The Cabin in the Woods. A rambunctious group of five college friends steal away for a weekend of debauchery in an isolated country cabin, only to be attacked by horrific supernatural creatures in a night of endless terror and bloodshed. Sound familiar? Just wait. As the teens begin to exhibit standard horror movie behavior, A group of technicians in a control room are scrutinizing, and sometimes even controlling, every move the terrified kids make. With their efforts continually thwarted by an all-powerful eye in the sky, do they have any chance of escape? Do they have free will, or has fate predestined their fates? It's like a Greek tragedy. A Greek something, that's for sure. (laughs) It's all Greek to me. Exactly. Okay, so with our discussion, as always, there are spoilers, like I had said, and we rate our um, four different categories on a five-point scale. A five-point Likert scale, Shannon. Yes, a five-point Likert scale. You gotta be specific. Thank you. Otherwise, they won't know. First, scariness, we rate one to five screams. Campiness, we rate one to five perms. Gore, we rate one to five severed limbs. Quality, we rate one to five unlucky stars. So, Brennan, let's start with scariness. All right, my scariness, I rated it two out of five screams because it's, pri- again, um, like uh, something we watched recently. I don't remember. It's primarily a comedy. It's not so much in the horror. It's not trying to scare you because it's trying to use tropes that 
aren't scary because they're so overused and make them interesting and funny. Um, there are a couple points that I do like. There's just like basic genre stuff, but it still gives you a jolt. I love the title screen where they're in the office and they're just tooling around and they're driving a little go-kart thing and then it goes, Wah! and then it's the title. That's that that's, That earns two out of five screams for me automatically. <laughs> okay. Um, for scariness, I rated one out of five uh, for the exact same reasons. It was primarily a comedy and it wasn't really all that scary. The only thing that would be incredibly scary and is only kind of scary for myself is Worm Face Ballerina, which we're going to talk <laughs> about later. Um, but... Other than that, I really enjoyed the movie, and I, I feel like it wasn't really scary. It was more more entertaining and, and comedic than anything. Yeah, you're right. So what did you rate? Okay, well, usually we do campiness because this is a horror comedy. We're going to kind of do funniness, but we're still going to rate it on perms because perms are hilarious. So, Shannon, what do you rate it on funniness? I rated it a four out of five perms. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I <laughs> I'm sure that you can attest to how I reacted to this film and just how well-constructed it was. Uh, just they took mentions from the very beginning and they ma- they like left them until the very very end and then they resolved it so you felt satisfied with the comedy which was really nice yeah and shannon was definitely super playing into all the horror tropes too she's like why are they doing that why aren't they listening to the harbinger at the gas station <laughs> they need to turn around and like shannon let it happen <laughs> um i also rated it four out of five on funniness just because it's a really funny movie i like the script a lot like, if all slasher movies were written like this, they'd be a lot better. <laughs> yeah, totally. They were. It was very smart. Yeah, very smart and very quippy. Um, I mean, in addition to the underlayer of subtext and really clever stuff that's going on with the people behind the scenes controlling horror, like, even just basically every line of dialogue is still pretty funny. Like, even when you think you're just watching a regular horror film. Yeah, totally. Okay, so what did you rate it for gore? All right. For gore, I rated it two out of five severed limbs. There's a great scene at the end that probably would earn it three out of five, but for the most part, it's just kind of generic, kind of cuts away, like when the girl's going to get sawed in her neck by zombies, and it cuts away with like a splash of red, and you're like, all right, this is normal. It's fine. It feels gory-ish, but it's not real. We're not seeing very much. Yeah, I agree. I rated it two out of five. Um and it, a lot of it has to do with context. Like, if these effects were being done and it was a 1980s movie, I w- probably would have rated the gore way, way higher. But um, we've been there, done that. And now we have access to all this great gore technology. So if you don't, um, you know, really take things to the next level, it's pretty hard to get a high gore score nowadays. <laughs> gore score. So um, I definitely, two out of five, there were some great effects. There was some great makeup. But again, was to be expected. So, yeah, nothing really, like, oh, actually, well, there's there's this one thing involving the merman where, like, oh yeah. blood splurts out his, uh, his, his blowhole that looks like a pig snout. Yeah, that was good. But everything else, it was like, okay, got it. All right, move on, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And moving on to quality, I'm just going to jump off of one of the topics that you brought up. I rated it four out of five on Lucky Stars. I really, really enjoyed this movie for the comedy and for the clever insights into the horror genre but it's only four to five for me especially because like you said the gore is kind of like been there done that the story's been there done that and that's the point but for a large part of it it is very been there done that and there's funny lines but it's not the most exciting narrative in the world for a large part of it and but also 
it earns four out of five automatically because it's the one movie where Chris Hemsworth has hair that actually looks good and isn't ridiculous <laughs> and oily and long. Oh, just throw throw the hammer. Throw the <laughs> oh hammer no. in. Just throwing that hammer in. Um, all right, stop. Hammer time. So oh, that moving y- on. You're not Freddy Krueger. You can't just make like three puns in a row based on the same topic. Why not? I just did. Moving on. So um, I, yeah, I... I have down here three out of five stars, but let's be real. I think it's definitely four out of five stars, unlucky stars, just because I would definitely watch this with anyone who hasn't seen a horror film. Um, it would would be less fun because they wouldn't understand the tropes as well as someone who has. But maybe they'd buy into it more too. Yeah, exactly. Like that's really saying something is to one to get me to watch something, watch a horror film like voluntarily without Brennan around would be <laughs> saying something. But also because um, it seems like a fun party movie. Like have some friends over, you know chips and salsa and then you put that movie in it would be really really fun which is why it, like me watching it again means that it was a really good movie absolutely and like it, it is a good party movie too because it's kind of like a game like you can pick a side of who you want to win it's like are you rooting for the office workers or are you rooting for the teens yeah that gamble scene in the movie we can yeah. just recreate for people who haven't seen it yeah and we could be the the, co- the like we already know what's gonna happen so we could collect all the money and then yes that'd be great I think we just started a government. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and at the end, whoever loses gets to be sacrificed. To Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Let it be me. I, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to one of our favorite segments, Champion Dialogue. Champion Dialogue. So, Shannon, what was your favorite line in the movie? Okay. So, my favorite line in the movie comes from this, like, you're establishing character, right? And um, it took me a really long time to understand that they were trying to do reverse tropes like oh the jock is actually really smart and like the virgin is not actually a virgin and like all those things i didn't get that because automatically assuming it's a horror film you are automatically assume that these people are the way that they are or that they're supposed to be everything is as it seems yeah which is like a beautiful part of this film um so anyway the blonde who is portrayed as the slut because of her hair color. Um, it's always them blondes. They have right? so much fun. They All just can't the control fun. themselves. Oh my god. All the fun. Anyway, so she is holding a book and then her boyfriend runs in and this happens. What is this? What are these? What are you doing with these? Okay, I get it. I'll leave the no, books. No, no, no. Who gave you these? Who taught you about these? I learned it from you, okay? I learned it from watching you! And yeah, so I just really, really love that part because I was kind of concerned because I, I automatically assumed that he being the dumb jock as he was supposed to be was actually like violently upset that she was reading, <laughs> you know, because I'm just like so confused with what's going on right now. Um, so I was like, what, what, what boyfriend is doing this, you know, and then I realized, oh, no, he's saying the opposite. They're playing this like a game. It's funny. And that, yeah, that was good. Yeah, and it's so 1950s over the top PSA. Yeah. Like, I think it's actually based on, like, something about pot or something. The kid's like, I learned it from you, Dad. You're a stoner. <laughs> right? No, I know. And I love that, like, of, of anyone to do the 1950s PSA, it's a sociology major, which is great. Yeah. It's just, it's such, it's so fun. Like, I want a relationship like this. Sergio, if you're, if you're listening, let's do more PSAs from the 1950s. Oh, I'm sure Sergio will be down for that, but in, like, a real way. Yeah, like driving around in a van with sunglasses on or something. Oh, God. Anyway, my favorite champion dialogue is 
All right. Spoilers happen, you guys. I mean, we've already pretty much done it. Also, sorry, sidebar. Real quick. <laughs> I have two sidebars. I'm so... I forgot to mention them. First of all, people are all like, oh, don't spoil Cabin in the Woods. They don't... You don't... We shouldn't have people know that, like, the government thing is controlling it all. And it's like, that's not the spoiler for Cabin in the Woods. Like, if your eyes are open, you can tell what's happening from, like, the opening 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't... That's not a spoiler. Like yeah. Like, the reason why they're doing it, yes, that's a spoiler. But you can talk about the office thing. Like, I never got that. But, like, even that, with, like, the blood going down on the rune, like, you know that it's some sort of sacrifice thing. Like, automatically. Yeah, it's it's not really a spoilery movie. Yeah. Like, you want people to go in not knowing what's happening at first, I right. guess. But, like, if you spoil something, they'll find it out 20 minutes later, so yeah. it's not a big deal. Although, I do think that Sigourney Weaver's existence is yes, a spoiler. Yes, don't tell anyone that Sigourney Weaver's in this movie. If you haven't seen it yet, just pretend... We just didn't say stop anything. listening. Rewind. Yeah. Rewind Go your brain. Go watch Men in, Men in Black and come back. What? You know, with the light. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. that I didn't connect that. Second sidebar. Sidebar hopping. The whole idea, like, the um, the tagline of this movie is, like, teens go to a cabin in the woods. You know the story or whatever. But the thing is, we sort of discussed this over the kitchen table last night, and I got very mad. Um, but the cabin in the woods really isn't a very common trope in horror films if we're talking literally what i've been able to figure out there's the evil dead there's dead snow and there's cabin fever and there's not a lot that's specifically cabins in woods but that's only because you do not count um camp counselor horror films well yeah well i mean just if there's more than one cabin it doesn't feel as isolated i guess maybe that's just me nitpicking but like in in Dead Snow, um, they have it's a horror comedy also, so they have a line where it's like, "How many horror films have had Cabin in the Woods?" And then the horror film nerd, because there's one in every movie, and I'm watching them, and that's me. Um, he's like, "Well, The Evil Dead did this," and I was like, "Uh huh." And he's like, "Friday the Thirteenth did this," and I was like, "Okay." And then he was like, "April Fool's Day did this," and I was like, "Hold the phone! April Fool's Day is set in a mansion on an island. Did we run out so fast?" And I was like, "This is not as common a trope as everybody imagines that it is. They just all like Evil Dead a lot." Are, are you done? I'm done. You're going to get off your soapbox now? My champion dialogue <laughs> is um, after we find out that um, the stoner Marty, played by Fran Kranz, is still alive. Um, he drags the main girl whose name is Face. I named her Face. I don't remember her name. This, I think this is the first time I've forgotten a character's name. But he brings the girl down to the grave where the zombie crawled out of. And she sees this like gross little zombie pile of flesh on the ground and this is what he says yeah i uh, kind of dismember that guy with the trowel what have you been up to and i just like that line a lot because it's so casual and his he always gets the best lines because he's kind of the equivalent of the horror nerd in this movie because he's the one he's so stoned he's seeing through all of the manipulations that are happening right which is which is a trope that happens like with the horror nerd in other movies like we're getting meta meta here it's a trope of a trope exactly well essentially because um there's always that person who in the horror film like if you're doing a horror comedy or like a horror trope comedy where finally like they get close to figuring out what's going on but then they like last minute decide that's not what's happening and then they die so like this is him being like it's all puppeteers whatever and then being like nope and he ends up he ends up dying i say that in quotes you can't see it dying and then come come to find out later he actually wasn't he didn't die he actually fought back and disemboweled the zombie with a trowel yeah casually 
casually. And that's right. I just that line reading is so funny. Yeah, his in, his entire being was pretty funny. Yeah, I and love Fran Kranz. I feel like I feel like his um bong, <laughs> the coffee cup bong. His coffee cup bong is like I love, I love unconventional um weapons a uh, drug apparatus what weapons in horror films you know that's why i mean i went on this whole rant about when we did our texas chainsaw massacre episode about how he was using the chainsaw and i hated it because <laughs> it was boring and it would have been <laughs> even better with a sledgehammer and i just feel i just feel like people gotta get creative you know use a nail gun use use there a, is a movie called nail gun use massacre. okay there we go you know and so just the fact that like like he's not the horror he's not the horror from the movie but he's fighting back and instead of having a chainsaw hand he has a giant retractable coffee mug bong that works for me it's great i love it so spinning off of that what's your favorite character so my favorite character is the sociology major jock gorgeous man played um, by chris hemsworth play yeah play like like chris hemsworth uh just because like one, you know, he's he's the one who like gets the most um shirtless time. No, I was gonna <laughs> say like I love it when when people get taken over by the adrenaline and like the survival mode kicks in really soon, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why I always hate it when like they have the women that are in like hysteria who are just like in denial and like freaking out, etc. And I'm like, no, it's happening. Like, get on it. Like, time to do something, you know. <laughs> and his from the beginning is like okay and he's so tall like he's so much taller than all the zombies he doesn't really seem threatened you know um but i just love his dialogue i love his um attitude towards like them as a group and uh and the fact that he's a sociology major and he that he generally wants to help um face with her (laughs) um with her sociology books and like uh there's a lot of like really great things about his character i hate that they use all those pheromones and stuff and make like him a dumb jock. Yeah, like that's annoying, and I it, I don't feel like it was gone into enough about how their personalities like break free from that. Yeah, that because you know? uh, they're all yeah. like it's still their free will, like blah 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 blah. But there's no like little moment to be like, no, you know, like no, not really. Or there was kind of when she was like, I'm cold, but then they just made it hotter. You know, it's just I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. They maybe cut it off of the knees a couple times in terms of we're forcing these characters to be stereotypical but we're not actually showing that they aren't stereotypical like we're not yeah. proving that they're not they're just like halfway through the movie they're like why is Kurt acting like this he's a sociology major and we're like oh is he yeah I, w- I would have thought it would be interesting if they like took those five characters and they actually made them all like change tropes like Ooh, the they virgin. mix up the drugs by accident well, yeah, or like no Sequel. drugs involved. It's like okay, well you get the version and the slut and the and the um, jock and the brain and the stoner fool. stoner fool all together, right? And then all of a sudden, when they get in this cabin setting, they all get mixed up. So, so like stoner fool becomes the jock, and um, or like they prove that they're not what their stereotypes right, yeah. look Brainiac like. Brainiac is the virgin, and then the the wow. virgin is the slut, and the slut is the fool and you know like it all like they all trade you Mm. know so they all i don't know that's a good idea i will i'll text drew goddard right now perfect thank you and my favorite character is a lot shorter than that conversation i just really like um the intern i just really would i like tom lank oh my god 
keep the, going. There is a lot of characters in, or there's a lot of character actors in this movie that are from the Whedon verse, and Tom Link plays like the only gay man character on Buffy, even though it's super implied and never actually outright stated. But I just think he's so funny, and I liked his character because it was just silly. He was just like this nerdy little guy that was trying to talk up all the ladies, but they were just ignoring him. Brandon was ass- obsessed with him my freshman year and continues to be obsessed with him, so I'm not surprised by that choice. He was also a film major, or like he liked cameras in that one episode. Never mind. Um, I added a topic for this episode because it's Cabin in the Woods. So, what is your favorite monster, Shannon? I'm gonna say. Okay, so I'm gonna say uh, my favorite monster was um, it was the guy who was just standing there with like the he's holding this ball thing and he's got these black big black eyes with saws in his face like the spinny saws thing in his face buzzsaws buzzsaws buzzsaw man and he was just really cool really creepy looking but i think that he's my favorite character other than the way that the merman was played into the script like (laughs) yes like if that wasn't played in the script then there would be no contest uh contest but um the merman like being introduced so early and then doing the whole like three times brought up involving one of the characters like Mer- i wish there was a merman oh i would have liked to see the merman why is there never a merman and then of course that one character gets eaten by what a merman a merman gasp yeah so so yeah those are my favorite favorite monsters cool and for the record that uh buzzsaw face guy is based on pinhead from hellraiser oh cool which we'll probably watch at some point yeah we'll have to it's a good movie uh, my favorite monster is the no-face ballerina because she's just like a regular ballerina and then she turns around and she has like a big lamprey mouth for a face and it's awesome and I want to see her in action. Yeah, that's terrifying. There's a lot of fan art on Tumblr about her. I like looked in the catalog oh, yeah? tag because I wanted to like reblog a whole bunch of gifts and just like it's all just like people drawing her. Yeah, I think her design is probably the most unique out of the movie because a lot of them are like based on other things like the Hellraiser guy there I saw the I saw the shining twins oh yeah yeah and there's a there's a giant purple people eater yeah and there's the werewolf and there's um like a huge angry bat like there's a whole bunch of stuff that like you've seen before yeah so that was like the one super original creation for this yeah I like that they put the regular zombies in too like they had yeah zombies and zombie redneck torture family yeah exactly so I'm glad that they had both of them because they touched on it earlier Anyway, moving on to our October Halloween segment called Pillowcase Talk. You know, because you take your pillowcase out for Halloween. So, I'm going to slip into my lamprey ballerina costume. And I'm going to put some uh, saws in my face. And uh, <laughs> and we'll continue on with this next segment. Yeah, exactly. Completely necessary. Every topic we discuss in Pillowcase Talk is based on a candy or treat that you may find in your trick-or-treat bag on Halloween. And our very first one changes every week because we can't decide which is the worst Halloween candy. But t- this week, it's candy cigarettes, which is our what is the biggest flaw in the movie? Yeah, so my biggest flaw in the movie um, was this, like, electricity dome that they had around the cabin. Like, like obviously, it, they kind of ruined the sanctity of the cabin in the woods because there was this government operation, etc. But what really ruined it for me was the fact that the characters not only found out about it, but found out about it in such, like, a really weird, obvious way when Kurt, like, drove his motorcycle and tried to, like, jump the... The, um, the gorge. The gorge and got gored. 
Yeah, by by this electric fence. Like that wasn't even a good way to die, you know. So, um, I feel like yeah, like I feel like the gods would have rejected that. Yeah, exactly. Like that's a that's a trump card. That's just like no. Although the gods apparently really like generic horror movies, so maybe they're like, "Wow, this is so different. You guys have been feeding us the same crap for thirty years, just like we say." And I'll watch this movie. Yeah, I I don't know. I just feel like that wasn't necessary. They could have found yeah. something else that like could have been done. You know, you're definitely right about that. Yeah, or they could have put like the Loch Ness monster and him have him try to jump over the gorge, and then like the Loch Ness monster just comes up and eats him. Or or they could have just not had a gorge. Like the cabin in the woods could have been in like this big natural bowl that acts as like a prison. Yeah, it could have been like tangled. The tunnel. Yeah, exactly. Easy. See, why weren't we hired for this film? Okay, what was your uh, biggest flaw? Uh, my biggest flaw is that. Of all the things in the basement, which, first of all, this is a really cool scene. Um, there's a whole bunch of objects in the basement that, like, the kids are toying with. And whichever one they choose is, like, kind of determines how they're going to be sacrificed by which monster. That scene was actually both of our favorite scene in the movie. You want to talk about Yeah, so exactly like it. Like, it's just, like, this really high, tense moment when all they're all, like, playing with things, you know? You notice some tropes, like obviously, like the ballerina in the in the music box is like a trope, and um, mm. but that would have called the no face ballerina, which would have been so cool. I know, I know. And there's the big conch shell that would have called the merman. Yeah, and he like had it and then he put it down, um, and like in the journal and like whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but they like had all these different things, and you had people on the other side, like you saw the government, and they were all like watching it happen, you know, and they'd all just gambled right before, and you didn't you didn't really draw the conclusion that that that's going to decide what monster you know until after they decide essentially but Um, but all of them are playing with one thing all at the same time and you're like oh which one's which one's gonna happen which one is the curse and then like the girl opens the diary and she's like this is the thing and everyone puts their stuff down and that's like oh the decisive moment right yeah totally and that is my biggest flaw because of all the goddamn things to choose she chose freaking annoying zombie redneck torture family which is so Evil Dead. I mean, not as fun as Evil Dead because they're like Kandarian demon zombies. Right. But, like, it's so, like, we're already in Evil Dead mode with the Cabin in the Woods. I just wish they could have picked a better monster to fight. I would have been much more invested in the teen angle of the movie if it was something cooler. Yeah. But, on the other hand, like, when you look at the objects, I don't know, like, what what object would you be naturally drawn to? Because I feel like the journal was, like, a like an easy choice because if it's written in English, then it's a, like an account of whatever was hap- what happened here in this weirdo house. So I would have definitely fallen for that and be like, whoa. I and probably Frank's diary. Mm, I mean, if I hadn't seen Hellraiser, I probably would have played with the puzzle box because I'm like, this is fun. Mm. Like the little puzzle sphere thing that Kurt had. Yeah. That would have called Buzz fu- Buzzsaw Man. Yeah. What object did a Slutty McSlutterson have? A necklace. Oh, that's right. Okay. So our next treat that we're pulling out of the bag is eye candy, which is the best shot of the film. Shannon, what's your favorite shot? Um, so my favorite shot was just when they end up in the elevator and then they zoom out and it actually looks like they're all in cubes. Oh, which yeah, Which yeah. uh, is weird. And it also reminds me of, this is going to be very weird. It reminds me of um, the Fairly Odd Parents when they do the um tv episode because like i all love that episode it's such a good episode but all the channels like the different channels are in different cubes and then they like they like fly from one cube to the other to like go to and from channels uh cabin in the woods totally ripped off fairly odd parents oh my god yeah so yeah what was your favorite shot 
My favorite shot, it was kind of a an unexpected one, I guess. It's when um, Face is in the RV and it's sinking and she uh, climbs out of the sunroof and she's just swimming through this endless green ocean. It's just a really pretty shot where she's just kind of dwarfed by the ocean and you just kind of, it shows that there's something bigger around her that she's just kind of trapped in, which is the whole theme of the movie. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, which is amazing. And then the next is Three Musketeers. So if we had a co-host, who would your co-host be? This is the character, not the actor. Yeah. Um, I think a good co-host would be the office workers, or just any of the office workers, because they could provide some valuable insight for any of the horror movies that we're watching. It's like, ah, we did this one back in 83 to appease the gods, and this went wrong, and this is what Japan was up to. And I was like, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, totally. Definitely, um, because they do it so often. Like, they are us. We are them. Yeah, exactly. We control... We are God. Okay. Uh, um, That's what uh, most of our audience would have to say, probably. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so my co-host would be Marty, just because he's consistently always high. And uh, can we can talk about conspiracy theories and, like, like debunk holes in the plot and be like, no, this is this is why this happened. Yeah, he, he would listen to my Cabin in the Woods theory. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Our next treat out of our pillowcase is Milk Duds, which is the stupidest character that makes the worst decisions. Shannon, what is yours? Um, my, the, the guy who made the stupidest decisions, I thought, was Merman guy. Like, the guy who was obsessed with the Merman. Um, you know, he was like, it should have been a Merman. Because things were endlessly going wrong, and he was being told that to, like, be careful. And he and his buddy, buddy old friend, old pal, <laughs> um, they just, like, were like, yeah, we got this. We've been doing this for years. Like, don't even worry about it. Like, we're not going to have a repeat of 1995 and, like, saying all these things. But come to find out, he gets eat, eaten by a merman. So, you know, I, b- I bet he died with a little bit of a smile, though, because he, he got the fate he wanted. <laughs> I, I hope so. And yourself? My stupidest character would be the immortal gods, because why do they like crappy horror movies so much? I mean, that's my job, and I'm not in charge of the universe. Like, Yet. if I had the power to destroy the universe, I wouldn't be watching as many slasher movies as I do today. Really? Do you believe that? Okay. Mm, well, me being me, but, like, if I was born an immortal god, you know, like, nature versus nurture or whatever, like, well, honestly, I'd probably be, like, making them act up. Never, oh. You'd just be making them. You'd just be playing those yeah. chessboards and, like, mm, I guess that's what they do. horror films. But, see, if I was an immortal god, I would want something different to appease me, you know, like, to challenge the people. Anyway, mm. I feel like there's holes in that one now that we've talked about it. But our next treat we're pulling out is the razor blade apple, which is why is this film scary to you, comma, Shannon? There's only one thing in this entire movie that, that terrifies me. That's it's the worm face ballerina. Um, Does I, I know you're afraid of worms. Yes. Um, There's not actually like a tubular body on the ballerina. So is it less scary to you or is it equally bad? Um, It's not like equally bad because obviously a worm itself will be way scarier um, obviously but like like okay you have to think about it opposite like if if there was if there was a worm with a person's body and there was a ballerina with a worm's head right like both of those things would be scary so i can't really isolate why either of those things would be scary but they're just both scary okay that, that's fair yeah and i think it's just because she reminds me like the face reminds me of a worm it's like Ugh. yeah um, it's life size yeah yeah, and what a weird juxtaposition between like this graceful ballerina and like this terrifying worm face. That's why it's so cool. I know, whatever. 
Okay, what All is right. what 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 made this scary for you? Uh, my razor blade apple is, well, it's kind of this weird subtext that I get from the movie where it's kind of um, well, it kind of points the finger at horror fans for wanting to watch this kind of bloodshed, because there's a lot of uh, conversation about like why do we do this or why are you okay with watching this and standing by while other people get murdered, and I just kind of feel like it's blaming horror fans for liking horror, which is a really weird thing to do for a fun horror movie, and it kind of scares me to think about that. Yeah, whoa. I never, like, I felt it, but I never thought about it. Yeah, and, like, I have a lot of arguments to back up why horror films are totally healthy and cathartic and whatever. Yeah, it's a great date movie. But it's just weird to think that maybe there's another level in this movie that doesn't want us to watch it, which kind of freaks me out. Well, yeah, because everyone who watched was killed by by the crazy things that they, like, were supporting. Exactly. Hmm. Wow. That's Ta-da. that's that's some deep Or maybe that's just how Joss Whedon views his audience because his fans are ravenous. Yeah. Slow down there, Marty. Come on. <laughs> Okie dokie. Right, let's lighten the tone a little bit with some games. How does that sound? Alright. The first game we're playing finally has received a name, courtesy of Shannon. Yay. Um it's the King's Cup categories round robin thing that we've been doing, but it's now called Trope Scope. Yay. Where each of us names a generic trope in this movie, which shouldn't be too hard. Um, and once one of us fails at coming up with one, we lose. Yes. And we try to be as fast as possible. Yes. All right, Shannon, would you like to start since you gave it such an incredible name? Sure. Um, okay, so let's start. Cabin in the Woods. Ooh, slip. Harbinger of Death. Um, I was going to say office people, but that doesn't make sense. That's the only yeah, new part. Nope. Um, the virgin survives. Okay. Um, the uh, Swimming through a lake. Uh, reading a Latin phrase out of a book that calls up the monsters. A redneck torture family. A secret basement. Um, uh, torture chamber? I already said torture family, but this is like a specific torture room. Ugh, fine. Um, it, RV. There's an RV. Yeah. Um, are we just going to name off characters like Jock? Okay, fine. Um, the nerd guy. Okay. Uh, the, the fool. Um, sex scene in the forest and topless boobs. There's no tops on those boobs. Yeah. Just I also time out. I love how that was a requirement for, for the gods. Yeah, the gods are horny as hell. Right? Uh, Sigourney Weaver. Okay. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, no. I mean, there are a lot of tropes in this, but what else is there? Oh, okay. You can do it. Come on. I can do it. I can do it. Find your center. Creepy painting. Okay. Uh, I'm running out. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Well, okay. I mean, it's that's fine. Um, like uh, uh, the penultimate decision. A character who appears to die but doesn't. Oh yeah, that's good. Um, killing but the killing a uh, um one of the enemies but it comes back away. Deciding to split up. Oh, that's right. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, being locked in a room. Mm. Okay, I think I'm out. That was actually kind of harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, the entire thing is full of tropes, though. Like, that's, like, the whole point, right? That is the point. But, like, a lot of their tropes are, like, the basic ones and, like, the very minutiae of the story aren't as much tropes. Yeah. Like, like basement. I wish there was more making out with like a wolf. Oh. I said the basement. Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, mate, that <laughs> scene was so strange. 
It was it was great. I hear um, they actually they covered the wolf's tongue in powdered sugar, so it wouldn't be so gross for her. Really? That's yeah. good. Nice of them. And let's move on to our second game, which is comes from a lot of our other Halloween games, and it's Trick or Treat, which is a true or false round. Are you prepared, Shannon? I mean, as prepared as an unprepared person can be. <laughs> well, I guess that's good, because if you're prepared, you probably know everything already. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be fun. All right, number one. Marty never takes his shirt off in the film because he's secretly super buff. Mm, false. That's actually true. Fran Krantz is hot as heck. He takes his shirt off in Much Ado About Nothing, and you should all watch Much Ado About Nothing. You're welcome. Yeah, see, I'm always wondering about these other characters who I haven't seen in the Whedonverse to be like, who are you? What have you done? Well, why are you here? You know, but apparently they are. Yeah, um, he's he's been around not as much in the stuff that like we care about, like Buffy or whatever, but he's around. Yeah. Um, okay, number two. The scary hunting painting was created by Anthony Head, who played Giles in Buffy. Yes. Uh, that's false, actually. Oh. But it sounds real, right? Because Whedon Head, is an incestual family. Oh, yeah. Number three. The real name of the Sawhead guy, as according to the credits, is Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain. No. That's true. That's no, his name. That, oh. Isn't that great? Gross. I wanted to bring it up earlier, up. but it was in the game, so I didn't. That's horrible. All right, number four. Sigourney Weaver's role was originally written for Bruce Campbell. I want that to be wrong, so I'm in it. Well, but it's it's Cabin in the Woods, so it's probably true. True? It's actually false. I made it up, so oh, you're yay. welcome. Thank goodness. You don't get a point, but you still get Sigourney Weaver. Yay. <laughs> Although, yeah, I mean, it's so Evil Dead. Okay, number five. A Freddy Krueger claw can be seen hanging in the basement. True? That is false. That yeah. actually... That God, is I'm sucking at this. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I just thought of some great stuff this time. Obviously this so. is, it's, on, it's not on you. It's on me for being a brilliant genius, of basically. Of course, of course. Although, for the record, a Freddy, a Freddy Krueger claw is hanging in the basement in Evil Dead 2. Oh, that's right. So cool. I did try to check you a little bit. All right, number six. The cabin was constructed with wood collected from the same forest where they filmed Friday the 13th. No. Yeah, that one's false. Okay. That one's a little too intense. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, come on. Too All specific. Right. Number seven. The coffee cup bong cost $5,000 to make. Oh, that seems true. That is true. Which is intense, because I don't feel like as a stoner he would have that much money. He wouldn't, but that's also so cool. Yeah. Like, I feel they like... They worked so hard to get that in the movie. So good, so good. And the, he just, like, seamlessly collapses it. It's mm -hmm. great. I hope that's... Uh, like, he still owns that. Like, it's in his garage somewhere. For $5,000? Yeah, right. I know. All right, number eight. One of the zombie redneck torture family was played by an uncredited Liam Hemsworth. True? That is false. None of them are hot enough for that. Okay. Uh, number nine. In, this is just like the Brennan talking about dudes episode. Right. All right. Number nine. Included among the zombies and vampires in the betting pool, and among other monsters, is a monster known only as Kevin. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, number ten. Uh, the script for this film was written in three days. Mm, true. That is true. Huh. So you got four out of ten. That's that's like it's a almost that's half. like an F on a test. So pretty good. Yay! <laughs> My real life grade point average is way higher. I'm proud of you. Thank you. So that concludes our games. I hope you guys had fun. Shannon, do you have a recommendation for people who agree with you about this film? Yes. Okay. So I've talked about this movie eight different times, 
in an effort to like kind of recommend and then decide not to recommend it and that's going to happen again <laughs> so i was going to recommend your next because it's an amazing movie um however i'm going to recommend scream first because scream is very tropey like the entire se- the entire series is is a trope fest and that's the point um but it's great and it's funny and it's just as entertaining to the point where you could watch it at a, at a party which i actually did a couple weeks ago for a 90s party we watched scream um so yeah that's that's my recommendation what's your recommendation my recommendation is i was trying to think of something less obvious but like i said cabin in the woods horror movies are hard to come by so i really want to recommend the evil dead which i figured works enough as a deep cut because everybody loves evil dead 2 so much and they're like oh evil dead 2 is so much better because it's funny and it's got three stooges and bruce campbell's a chainsaw arm and i'm like yes and yes and i love evil dead 2 but the evil dead is one of my favorite horror movies of all time it's so cool it's this lo-fi just super insane horror picture and i think it is way more grubby and not amateur like it it's slick and super cool but it's made for like three dollars so it feels very diy and it's just more powerful for it and i appreciate that great so killer karma is um this thing that we're doing where essentially if you can reach out to us on any sort of social media and get our attention and um guess the clue that we give correctly then you get a point and if you get seven points then you get to guess, or you get to pick a movie that we will have to review sometime in the future. Last episode, we recorded a little ahead of time, so it got a little confusing because people were like, I have more points than that, comma, Matt Russell. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the current updated point standing is available on Facebook, and you can find it on our About page, and that will illuminate any confusion because that is up to date. And the film we're doing next week, as revealed from my super awesome clue that I'm really proud of from last week, um, we're watching Halloween next week. So you have a whole week to prepare for that. Um, That's our October 30th episode, our Halloween bonanza. Super excited. Yay! Our second John Carpenter film of the month. He's a horror classic at heart. And this is the clue for our two weeks from now episode. This film is actually current. So there's a surprise. Another surprise... It's just as effective as binge-watching Arrested Development, Workaholics, and Silicon Valley in one handy 90-minute package. And if you have any guesses for that clue, if you have any comments, questions, or champion dialogues to share for a Halloween episode, please contact us via Facebook at Scream101Podcast, via Twitter at Scream101Pod, on email at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com, or, and... And you can also find us on iTunes. You can search Scream 101 Podcast, uh, subscribe and rate and review us. Give us five stars, which is a number. It's an odd number. It would be much appreciated. Yeah. And credits. So we've reached the end of our podcast, which means that I get to say that uh, Scream 101 Podcast is created by Brennan Klein and myself, Shannon Chalakian. Wonderful. Um, usually with uh, sound engineering help by Lucas Caffey. However, he's not with us today. We're, so we're back to basics. This yeah. is the OG podcast. Yeah. So if this screws up, then it'll be because he's not with us. Um, I miss you, Lucas. Yeah. We'll see you next week. It's fine. Oh, also, it is, as we are recording it, it is uh, Henry's birthday. Henry is Lucas's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Henry. Happy birthday, Henry. We're giving you a shout out, even though you may never hear this ever. Yeah. Who actually listens to our podcast? 
We appreciate Actually, you. no, I appreciate all of you listeners. It's just that, like, our actual friends do not listen. Yeah. Like, my sister doesn't listen to the show. My parents do. Hello. All righty. So, who will be singing us out, Brennan? And we will be playing you out with the song that plays in the beginning of the film, the name of which I can't remember. I might be <laughs> asleep. <laughs> Enjoy. Bye. Bye.